opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Um, and this is Lynn Corral, your facilitator for the Jewish Hour. And we are very excited about today's program. It's the second week of Hanukkah programming for the Jewish Hour. We really appreciate it. We're always here at this time every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern and 12 uh, 12 Pacific, and uh, everybody else can figure out their own time. <laughs> Central time is 1 o'clock. So, yeah, so we really appreciate everybody being here. And everybody's going to stay muted. Um, we are on the stream today, so... Um, uh, I want to appreciate Herbie for connecting for connecting us to the stream. And uh, uh, Chanel, did you connect us to Clubhouse? She's the host. Did you club connect? That's us to Herbie. Clubhouse? Herbie's connecting us okay. to Clubhouse okay. and moderating Herbie. over there. Okay, Herbie's connecting us to Clubhouse and streaming. And Chanel is our able, very able host who knows everybody here anyway. And um, this program is going to be songs that Herbie has, and also. Uh, Rabbi Lenny is going to lead this call mostly. So, Rabbi Lenny, take it away. Thank you. So, why is the story of Hanukkah told to honor the brave Maccabees of old? What makes our mouths water, handed around, plateful of latkes, deliciously browned? There are Hanukkah gives hidden well, that is the secret which no one should tell. What do we place on the table to hold? The gay colored candles, its polished gold, the shining menorah. What comes once a year, Hanukkah fun, at last it's here. So welcome and Chag Sameach to all. Right, Happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah. Is one, of, have one of our highlights for the year, and uh, it takes place during the darkest days of winter, called the winter solstice. It's the time of the year that the days are the shortest, and the darkness pervades our environment. Such pervading darkness tends to bring with it sadness and gloom. In response to the dark of winter, Jews bring light into their lives, the celebration of Hanukkah. Light adds hope and brightens our disposition. Lighting Hanukkah candles brings a smile to our faces, encourages a forward look, a chance to celebrate that life will be better. That darkness, even despair, can change to a world that enjoys light, a world that has opportunity. So... Um, According to Proverbs, right, mitzvot are comparable to a candle. Our sages explain, just as from one candle, a person can light many candles without diminishing any of the light from the original candle, so too through the performance of mitzvot, of giving charity, one's wealth is not diminished. I thought for those who aren't Jewish, they may want to hear a little bit of Hebrew today. So I'm going to give you the blessings we would typically do over the candles in the evening. Uh, the first two we do every night. It goes Baruch Atah Adonai Elohinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kidshanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tivanu Lahadlik Ner Chanukah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments, commanded us to kindle the Chanukah light. Baruch Atah Adonai Elohinu Melech HaOlam Sh'asan Nisim La'Avotenu Bayamim Ahem Bazman Hazeh. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, sovereign of all, who perform wondrous deeds for ancestors in days of old at this season. The third one we do only usually on the first night, but it's also a prayer we do at every happy occasion, at every new occasion. It's called the Shehechianu. Baruch atah Adonai, Elohim, Melech HaOlam, Shehechianu, V'Kiyamanu, V'Higianu, Lazman Hazeh. 
Praise are you, Lord our God, sovereign of the universe, who has kept us in life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this season. Okay, so uh, before we go ahead and get into what I call the real story of Hanukkah, I thought we would kind of move our, our music kind of in and out to break things up. So I'm not sure who's controlling our music tonight, but uh, Herbie, Herbie, Herbie has. Herbie, Herbie has why don't music, you pick yeah. one and and let's do a song, please. Any particular song, like because I do have the uh, one from Mike Stern that he gave me a little bit of go. Well, let, let's let's start with Mike. That's fine. All right, then here we go, and this song is going to be. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to uh, butcher the name of it. Can I can I jump in for a second? You can. Um, this, this song is by <clears throat> Mayor Winningham, who was an actress and um, became a singer, and also was not Jewish originally and converted to Judaism and was very excited about it and she wrote this song it's called Hane wrote Halalu Hane wrote I guess Lenny tell me if I'm wrong um aren't that that would be candles yeah plural for um, candles yes yeah yeah and um the two uh they repeat the first and third verse in Hebrew the same verse the second one is the English translation it's a beautiful song so I hope you enjoy it I agree. It's a beautiful song. That's not it. That's not the right song. <laughs> Okay, because that's the I'm on the link that you gave me, but uh, and it says Henry Hallelujah. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Apple Music was playing tricks on me. Is this the right one? Yes.
Very nice. All right. So again, let's uh, do a couple more things before we get into the story. Uh, I put together some interesting quotes on light. Uh, not necessarily Jewish. I thought uh, you might enjoy it. First one, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That actually comes from Martin Luther King Jr. I am not bound to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live by the light that I have. I must stand with anybody that stands right and stand with him while he is right and part with him when he goes wrong. That actually comes from Abraham Lincoln. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by the spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude to those who have lightened the flame within us. Albert Schweitzer. As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle the light in the darkness of mere being. Carl Jung. In faith, there is enough light for those who want to believe, enough shadows to blind those who don't. Blaise Pascal. Do not go gentle into that good night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light. Dylan Thomas. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Leonard Cohen. Walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. Helen Keller. All right. Let's do, uh, let's do that other song that, uh, that Mike brought us, and then we'll do the real story. Okay, I do apologize. I am missing... What was the other song you sent me there, Mike? That, that was the only one I sent. That's what I thought. Oh, okay, then pick another one, whichever you got there, and... All right. Um, I am still working, having some site issues here. Oh, with, okay. Uh, so then we can just go on. We'll just go on. So let's get into what I call the real story of Hanukkah. This is going to take some time, but I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, again, the, well, we'll get into why we get all the, the uh, fables going on. So we, we really need to kind of set the base. And sending the base takes us all the way back to Alexander the Great, roughly around 350 BCE, give or take. Uh, Alexander conquers the Western world. When he does so, he sets up a whole bunch of cities, all called Alexandria. Uh, the most famous being uh, in Egypt on the Mediterranean coast. Uh, Alexandria was the major international trading seaport. Uh, I'm not sure what would be today that, but when I was growing up, maybe Singapore or Hong Kong, L.A., New York. Uh, but back then, it was Alexandria. Uh, Alexandria uh, gave us two public institutions that still come down to us today began in Alexandria. Anyone know what those two institutions are? Do we get to share or am I just going to do a speech today? Is it the, is one of them the Parthenon? No, Parthenon's in oh, Greece. Sorry about that. Wrong. In Athens. Uh, what is it? 
right. The the two items. The first is the library. Uh, yeah, the library is one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Very good. The other one is the public museum. Oh, okay. Uh, people had private collections before that, but the first public one was in Alexandria. Same thing with the library. People had their own collections, but Alexandria was the first public library that we had. And what was their uh, main function in life was to collect all the books in the world. Now, how did they do this? Again, kind of interesting. Um, the ship would hit uh, Alexandria or a caravan would hit Alexandria. Uh, the library would send some uh, people out to the ship, search the ship, bring all the books back to the library, copy the books, bring the copies back, and keep the originals in the library. Uh, unfortunately, later on in our history, Julius Caesar ends up burning the library. But be that may, they're sitting around one uh, day having a, a board meeting, and they say, where should we go get a book? And they say, well, this Jewish clerk says, go to, go to Israel and go get a Torah. And they do, and they bring it back. Can they read it? No. Why? It's in Hebrew. What are they speaking? Greek. I guess nobody's going to participate. That's okay. They're speaking Greek, Greek right? Greek. So uh, what do they do? Well, the story goes as follows. They put 70 different people in 70 different rooms to do this translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek. Now, the fable says that they all came back with the same translation. You can believe that if you want. But it does give us the name for the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And this is a word you should know about, especially if you're Christian. What's 70 in Greek? Septu? Septuagint. Right. right, it's called the Septuagint. Um, Septuagint. Yeah. Again, just for historical purposes, it's interesting because a little later on, the Pope says, well, he needs a translation and he needs it in Latin. But does he take his translation from the Greek or the Hebrew? He actually gets it from the Greek. Every time you translate, it's an interpretation. There is no direct translations, right? So we now have a translation of a translation. A little later on, a guy named John Wesley comes along in England and says, I need a translation in English. Where does he take it from? The Latin. The Latin. So now we have a translation of a translation of a translation. Was that the Vulgate? Yes. Okay. And, Community three is the host now. Uh, again, just for historical purposes, um, there was probably the most famous of all the mistranslations. A guy you may have heard of named Michelangelo took it from the Italian version, and he did these wonderful statues. You can go to uh, Italy and see these now if you have some sites. And that can get somebody to describe it to you. But his particular statue of Moses, which is like 10 feet tall, 12 feet tall, something like that. It's huge. It's an amazing thing. Uh, if you look on the top of his head or feel on the top of his head, you'll find two horns. Why horns? 
Well, the Bible is describing Moses coming down with the tablets, and it uses the Hebrew word Karen. Karen has a couple meanings depending on the context. It can mean horns. If you're talking about an antelope or something like that, but the better translation is actually rays. His face shone with rays of light as he came down from Mount Sinai. But when it hit the Italian, guess what it hit? Horns. That's why Michelangelo did what he did. Now, again, this always ends up affecting us going forward. When I was in high school and I was backpacking up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with some friends and we spent the night in the forest and we ran into some other people and we're talking uh, around the campfire in the evening and they found out I was Jewish and they started looking at the top of my head, looking for my horns. So these things can go forward. Mistranslations can be a problem. Okay, so we need to come forward a little bit. So uh, Alexander dies. Uh, when he dies, there's no one general that's strong enough to keep his entire uh, empire into one. It actually divides into five segments. The two biggest are the Ptolemies take over Egypt, and the Seleucids take over Iran, Iraq, Turkey. Now, Rome is also foreign. Macedon and Greece also have small groups. At the time, Rome is fairly small and not as significant. Now, if you are uh, the big general, what's your goal in life? To be the next Alexander. I'm going to conquer the Western world. So the Ptolemies and the Seleucids kept fighting back and forth, back and forth. Uh, now, as we move forward a little bit, uh, the Seleucids, headed by a guy named Antiochus, basically has control of Israel in that area. Now, if he is going to uh, go to attack the Ptolemies in Egypt, he's going to raise an army. Can he flank Egypt to the west? Everyone's muted, so I guess I'm still going to talk, I guess. Herbie, if you notice any raised hands, uh, uh, please. That's, that's okay. I'll, I'll just kind of go on so we can move through, I guess. Whoever so, the host is, I don't even know who the host yeah. is right now. So. Uh, I am. Yeah, oh, so you are. Okay. The, the answer is no. You end up drowning in the Mediterranean. Can you uh, uh, flank them east? Not really. You'll be going through deserts. Taking uh, armies through deserts is generally not a good idea. But there's a small strip of land that's fairly fertile that makes it kind of nice to get from Iran, Iraq, Turkey down to Egypt, and that's right through Israel. Now, is it ever good when armies go through your land, if it's not your own army? Uh, not so much. Okay, uh, we then have to kind of look and see what's going on with the Jewish people at this time. Well, the Jews, while the Seleucids have general control of the area, basically divide into two groups. One is called the Hasids. Chassid is the Hebrew word for pious. We'll call them the ritualistic Jews. And the others are the Hellenizers. Hellenizers are still Jewish, but they want to do business. They want to trade internationally. They want to uh, go back and forth uh, much like Jews do today as they do commerce nationally and internationally. 
All right, so we have to ask the question, how do one how does one do this? Well, again, let's say you're in a state and you have an interstate today and you want to repave it. You're the governor. You want to repave the interstate in your state. Where are you going to get the money? It's got to come from the federal government. Why? Because remember my example, interstates, they're owned by the federal government. So if you're the governor and you don't and you're an enemy of the president or the Congress, are you going to get the money? No. So what do you do? You make nice. That's what the Hellenizers would do. Um, so, uh, again, I want to go back and, and, and talk about this a little bit in, in cultural terms because this is important. It, it, one of the things that Alexander did and the Greeks did as they went forward is they not only formed new cities, they transported Greeks throughout their empire and resettled them in these areas and brought the Greek culture with them. Does that affect those that are local? Sure. Well, what did they bring? Well, they brought the uh, theater. They brought the bathhouses. They brought uh, athletic games, right? The Olympics. So here's an interesting one for you. You're up at the uh, stands cheering on and you're going to bet and you hear somebody say, I'm going to bet on the Jew in the next race. How does he know he's Jewish? Hmm. Well, oh, the Olympics it? in those days were all done in the nude. Oh. oh, so you could tell the Jewish person through the circumcision. All right. So culture is going to transpose and it does even so today. So let's give a modern example. Uh, let's say you went to Japan in the 1930s and 20s. What would the men be wearing? What would be their clothes? Weren't they wearing kimono kimonos? Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were wearing kimonos. If you go there today, what are they wearing? Suits. Yeah, suits. And Rabbi, and I jeans. found the two songs that you sent me. Okay, that's fine. Well, geez, we'll still keep going on here. They, they're wearing suits and blue jeans. Why? Because the culture from the West infiltrated and they absorbed it. This is what happened in Israel as well. So again, uh, uh, King Antiochus has got to uh, 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 put somebody to uh, act as governor of the area. Is he going to turn to a chassid? No. It'd be kind of tough to turn to somebody in his own party because they're not going to want to live in Israel. So he's going to turn to a, one of the Hellenizers. So who does he turn to? The head of the Hellenizers is a guy named Jason. So Jason becomes governor. He's Jewish, mind you. What does he do? Well, I'm going to find a way to make really nice, nice to Antiochus. So he decides to go up to the temple, clean out the temple, put up Greek statues, and rededicate the temple to Greek gods. Does this make the Hasids happy? Mm -hmm. Not too much. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, but remember, this is a Jewish guy. Um, again, we have to switch back to Antiochus, he's going to go and decide, I'm going to go attack the Ptolemies in Egypt. He raises this huge army and starts to march towards Egypt. Does Egypt know that he's coming? Sure. You can't keep that a secret. 
But the Ptolemies know that their armies aren't quite so big, and they may have a problem fighting them off. So what do you do? Well, I need to turn for some help. Well, Jews don't have armies. Where does he turn to? He actually turns to Rome. Again, Rome comes over and decides to help him. Interestingly enough, you got to be careful who you invite in, right? Does Rome ever leave? No. No. No, it's the famous uh, Anthony and Cleopatra story and Julius Caesar. They eventually take over the Ptolemies themselves. But for right now, they join with the Ptolemies. Um, the Seleucids come through and start to attack Egypt. The war is not going too well for King Antiochus. A rumor gets back to Israel, to Jerusalem. King Antiochus has been killed in battle. The Hasids say, here's our chance. They run up to uh, the temple. They pick up the statues, throw them over the wall. They pick up the priests, throw them over the wall. I understand it's about a 100-foot drop. They clean out the temple, rededicate it to Jerusalem, and go back to work. Kill Jason. Back to Egypt, the rumor is false. But... Uh, the Seleucids are having, having their head handed to them. They're losing badly. So the Egyptians and Romans turn to Antiochus and say, you got a choice. You either leave or we will destroy you once and for all. So he picks up his remaining army, starts to head back home. Where does he go through? Jerusalem. What's he find? What happened uh, to his governor? The what happened to right, his he priest? finds the Hasids, right? He finds the Hasids? Yeah. Well, he finds the Jews. He doesn't really find He finds the Jews have kind of taken over control. Now, he's already smarting from Egypt. He's not a happy camper. He turns to his army and he says, kill the Jews. Now, he doesn't say kill the Hasids. He says, kill the Jews. And as they go around killing people, they're not asking, are you Hellenistic or are you Hasids? What this does is kind of bring those two fighting political parties into one group. At any rate, uh, he takes re-control of the area, sets up his own priest, uh, takes the uh, temple in Jerusalem, resets it up um, in the Greek way. Uh, outlaws Judaism on pain of death. <clears throat> he outlaws Judaism, and he goes back home. Um, things are kind of clicking along, and the priest in Jerusalem says, well, we need some smaller temples up in the hinterlands. So he sends a small group up into the Galilee, which is this hilly mountainous area north of Jerusalem, uh, kind of halfway between them and the Seleucids. And he's going to build a temple there. They start to build the temple. Manatias rises up, gets a group of people, kills them, levels the temple. Word gets back to Antiochus. Does it make him happy? <coughs> Not too. So he sends a small force, go take care of the Jews. They go up into the Galilee. Manatias raises a little larger army. And wipes them off the face of the earth. Word gets back to Antiochus. Now he's really ticked. He raises a huge army. 
go wipe out the Jews. So this army starts to march into the Galilee. Can Manatius fight them? No way. But what can he do? Well, remember, this is kind of a hilly mountainous area. So as this big force uh, flicks off a small force to look around another hill or another mountain, Manatius will come down and attack the small force and then go and run back and hide up into the mountains. So he fights and hides, hits and hides, hits and hides. We have a name for that kind of warfare. What is that called? Guerrilla warfare. warfare. First first time in history, gang, that guerrilla warfare is fought. Hmm. Now, is it fought in modern day? Yes, sir. Sure. Uh, Vietnam is a good example of guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and over there now in the desert, desert. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Hamas. Sure. So uh, this war lags on for 25 years. Four of the five sons of Manatias die along with Manatias in the war. Now, the all the fables talk about the... Um, Jews eventually winning the war. And that's not really the case. Here's what's going on. Rome is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. They have take over, they have taken over the Ptolemies in Egypt. They continue to grow. They've taken over uh, Macedon and Greece. So again, what is Caesar's object? I'm going to take over the rest of the world. I'm going to attack the Seleucids next. Well, how does Rome attack the Seleucids? Remember, you're going from Rome to Turkey, right? So you're going to go across uh, west to east and go across kind of where Constantinople or Istanbul is and attack them that way. Does Antiochus know that these people are coming? Sure. Tell me something. Is he more afraid of Rome or of the Jews? No. The Jews, yeah. I think. No. Rome, Rome could wipe Rome. him off the face oh, of the yeah, earth. Yeah. All the Jews could do yeah. take over Israel. Yeah. So does he want his army stuck fighting these wars in Israel, or does he need to reposition them? No. reposition Right. He needs yep. to take them out of there and bring them back to the west side of Turkey to get ready to fight Caesar. So what does he do? He turns around to uh, the Maccabees. He says, you know what? We're done. It's all yours. Bye. So did the Jews really win the war? It's more than the Seleucids said, we can't afford to be here any longer. Okay. So the Maccabees take over the area. Now here's an interesting religious point. Do the Jewish people overall like the Maccabees? No. No. They really don't. The question is, is why? And here's an interesting uh, religious uh, exercise for you. Uh, We talk about even today this idea of fusion of church and state. Yes? Mm -hmm. Uh. So, in Jewish history... Was church and state fused? Well, let's look at it. 
the people are running the Bamid Bar. Moses' day. Who is the religious head during the Bami Bar? Aaron, I think. Yeah. Aaron, who's the secular head? Moses. No. Not Moses. Uh oh, the, um, the state leader the state? of the, the elders. The, uh, no. the leader of the, it's, of the it's army. Joshua. Joshua, right? He's the one that formed where they put the standard bearers and all that stuff. All Moses is is the go-between between the people and God. All right, let's move forward. First temple days. Who is the religious head of the temple? First temple. Solomon? The Levites? The Kohanim or the Levites. That's a good, right? Kohanim are actually a subset of the Levites. Who is the secular head? First temple. Somebody said it earlier. Solomon. Solomon. Solomon? Yeah, Solomon. He's the secular head. Oh, Solomon was the secular head? Yeah. Solomon uh, was the secular head, the Kohanim, the religious head. Let's look at the second mm. temple. Who was the secular? Who was the religious head? It's a group called the Sadducees. Here's oh, a little that's the Sadducees, the, the other group. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. Let's this is a little bit of a trick question. Who was the secular head? Second Temple days. Pharisees. Pharisees? Nope. Pharisees. Herod? Herod? Well, Herod was kind of a king, but not really. Who was so above Herod? Caesar? Yeah, Rome. Mm -hmm. Rome. Okay. Rome was the secular head. By the way, for those of you who are Christian, that gives you an interesting issue because uh, sometimes in history they claim that the Jews killed Jesus. Could they? They didn't have no. the political power. No, they didn't. No. They did not have the political. It would be like the uh, mayor of Greensburg or of Pittsburgh saying, I'm going to kill somebody. He doesn't have the power. Could have only been Rome. So here's another yeah, interesting question. Let's look at Pilate. Yeah, let's look Pontius at modern Pilate. day. Right, Pontius Pilate is a, the representative from Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, let's look at modern day. Here's an interesting question for you. In the United States, who determines who can go into a building and who can't? The individual. Nope. Nope. The owner of the building. Nope. The security. Uh... Nope. Really? The police? Yeah, really. It's the government, folks. Oh, it's, yeah. It's called zoning laws. Mm -hmm. You can build a house here, a uh, temple oh, there, yeah. a an, an open building there, yes, it's the government through the zoning laws that tells you. Now, the owners of the building have some say, but overall, it's the government that discerns through zoning laws who can go in and who can't in any particular location. Yeah, we discussed this during the housing discussion about how the government controls a lot of the housing, so that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so mm -hmm. let's, here's an interesting question for you folks. In Israel, uh, Dome of the Rock is on, on top of uh, Har Zion. Hmm. Who controls who can go to the Dome of the Rock today? The Arabs. That's it. Israel, Israel does. <laughs> no, Israel does not. It's the yeah, the Arabs, the, the Muslims, yeah. the Arabs, Muslims, the Muslims, yeah. the Muslims. Yeah. Right. If you go there, you're going to see a gate, security gate, and it's Muslims who control that gate, and they'll tell you whether you can go up or not. Who controls who can go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem? Anybody. 
No. Israel. They're Christians. No. Christians. Christians. Yeah. Oh. Christians. Christians decided. Who decides if you can go to the Western Wall? The Jews. Yeah, the Jews control it. It's not the government gang. It's not the Knesset. There was only one time in history, folks, the church and state was fused. Guess. Under, under the Maccabees. Under the Maccabees. The Jewish people overall did not like that. They thought no, it was too not. much power. Yeah. Yep. So what do they do? A couple of things. First of all, where do we get Hanukkah? Hanukkah is really um, a, a holiday that was created by the Maccabees because they were out fighting during Shavuot, and they wanted a replacement. Seven days typically, but eight days if you're in the diaspora, so they had eight days of Hanukkah. <laughs> But the overall uh, uh, thrust of the people was that they did not want the thrust to be on the Maccabees. They wanted it on religion and the freedom of religion. Again, I go through this all the time, but Dr. Lynn seems to like this, right? All Jewish holidays are about freedoms, not about God. Passover, freedom of uh, physical freedom. Shavuot, mental freedom, received of uh, receipt of the Torah. Uh, Purim, freedom from genocide. Hanukkah, freedom of religion. Hmm. Now, Love so that. they created okay. they created all these fables about the oil lasting for eight days and all this other stuff in order to take the uh, focus off of the Maccabees. Now, from the time of the Maccabees until roughly the late 1960s, early 1970s, Hanukkah was a minor holiday. When I was growing up, not a big to-do. Yeah, we lit candles, and yeah, I got a present or two, but it really wasn't a big thing. It certainly wasn't like Passover or the High Holy Days. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, things changed. Why? What? Hmm. Chris. Uh, well, less about Christmas and more about Black Friday. Okay, so even when I was growing up, Christmas was a very family-oriented holiday for people. Right. They, they would have big holiday dinners and stuff, and you would go to church, but it really wasn't this big shopping thing. In the late 60s and early 70s, we get Black Friday. It booms on the secular side of life. The Jews turn around and say, our kids feel left out, so we're going to do the same thing as part of Hanukkah. Now, if you go to Israel today, is Hanukkah a big thing? You no. better believe it. It's yes. huge. Really? Oh, it, oh, it yeah. really? Yeah. I have oh, been there at Hanukkah time. <laughs> uh, if you walk into any hotel in Jerusalem, you will see table after table after table of sufganiyot, jelly donuts, for free. Uh, me and my wife were walking around the old city, and you see um, uh, uh, Israeli army with Uzis on their back, but their hands are holding big trays of jelly donuts, handing them out to people. Uh, ben Yehuda Street, which is their main drag, kind of like Broadway in New York. They cordon it off, and in the evening, they bring out bands and food and celebrations and dancing. It's huge. It's like uh, 
It's like the New Year's Eve party in Times Square. It's huge. Huge. All right. So, again, this real story is, is less about, remember, the, the Jews are the ones that ended up cleaning out the temple, not the Seleucids. Um, let's go and talk, uh, before we run out of time, I wanted to talk just a little bit about some of the other Minhagim, the customs that we have. So again, why jelly donut there and why potato latkes? So again, we have this focus on the oil from the fable of the, of the, of the cruise. So if you lived in Ashkenazi lands during the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Middle Ages and above, right? Uh, France, Germany, uh, Poland, Russia, England. They, they had lots potatoes. of potatoes. Yep. So they oh, would yeah, use the true. oil to fry diced potatoes, and we have potato latkes. Mm -hmm. But they don't have too many potatoes in Spain, Portugal, Barack North or Africa, Morocco, or something like Morocco that, yeah. Israel. <laughs> but we still need a fried food. So what do they do? Mm-hmm. Sufganiyot jelly donuts. Wow. Oh, yeah. So it's I've basically it a difference crazy. in, in um, culture. Culture. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, something called a dreidel, spinning top. Where does that come from? Yeah, tell me. I tried well, to look it up. <laughs> remember in Rome later on also outlawed Judaism. So what right. would Jews do? They really didn't hide. So what the kids would do is they would bring out their Torah scrolls in the lawn. They would spread it out, and they'd be studying the Torah on the ground. They would see the troops coming. What would they do? They'd flip the Torah over and start playing with these spinning tops. The uh, guards would say, what are you doing? Well, we're playing a gambling game, dreidel. They said, well, that's cool. They went on. They picked up the dreidels and flipped the Torah back over and went back to studying. That's yeah, the, I heard that. I heard that. Right. That's the uh, story of the dreidel. Uh, a lot of times you'll see people give what's called gelt uh, during Hanukkah. Gelt is another name, Hebrew name for money. Um, again, when I was growing up, my grandparents would often give me silver dollars during Hanukkah. But why money? Where does this come from? Well, back in Biblical days and through the Middle Ages, uh, teachers would get paid once a year. Guess when? December. Right, December. Right around Hanukkah time. So this this idea of giving money kind of kind of got linked. But later on, these teachers got paid across the year their salary. So what do we do? Well, some people still give coins, but uh, we bring it into a modern case and we put chocolate inside these coins and give chocolate coins to kids now we still call it gelt but that's where the gelt comes from wow so uh, i heard a story that um the reason why they did the coins is uh the gelt is because when state became its own state again that they were able to mint their own coins that to celebrate that well, but gelt was given well That's before the state was around. Had been given out for centuries. No, but I mean, no, I don't mean Israel. No, I mean back when the Maccabees, you know, oh, maybe okay. Jew, uh, Jew, there, the there, Jewish. Yeah, there could be more than one reason. That's possible. Okay. 
there was something else I wanted to touch base on, but now I forget. So uh, do you people know where we get the custom for how to light the menorahs? The, the, again, menorah is seven. The Hanukkah is the nine. Shall oh, I, I go over the Talmud I discussion? didn't realize there was a difference between the menorah and the Hanukkah. Yeah, the, the menorah is actually the seven candlesticks you'll see mm -hmm. in the sanctuaries. Mm -hmm. Hanukkah is the nine. Now, Got people it. call it menorah, but that's a little bit of a misnomer. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, let's discuss Talmud of how you light the candles. So there's a discussion between Hillel and Shammai. Shammai says, well, we're going to do it just like the cruise of oil, right? How does oil burn? It burns down, yes? So the first night we'll do eight, the second night seven, down to the last night we'll do one, just like the cruise of oil. Hillel said, no. Uh, the first night we should do one, the second night two, and the last night all eight. Uh, now, our practice is like Hillel. The question is, is why? There's always got to be a why in Judaism. <laughs> why do we light it that way? Hillel said, you should always in Judaism increase your joy across the holiday. Mm. Was it more fun to light one candle on the last night or all eight? All eight. All eight. All eight. Yeah, All eight. Sure. So we do it like Hillel. Now we have the question, okay, how do we load our candles? We have the, uh, what, tonight is the fifth night. Yep. Do we start from the left or we start from the right? From the left. No. And we load right? our candles right to left. Currently oh. Let's say just, just like um, Hebrew. Just like, right. reading just like Hebrew. we're reading yeah. Hebrew. Oh, interesting. Now what they have another question. Which candle do we light first tonight? Does it matter? Yes. Yes, the fifth candle. Tonight you light the fifth candle first. Why? Because you want to give the honor of the lighting to the day it is. So you oh. load them right to left, but you right. light them left to right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're starting to run out of time. I think I'll just open it up for questions. Does anybody have any questions? And, um, and then could you please raise your hands, please? Yeah. And uh, please. please mute if you're not speaking. Thank you, Chanel. All right, Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Kim, you need to unmute. Oh, you just put down your okay. hand. Okay. Okay. Um, does the dreidel have markings on it? Because I've heard people talk yes. about braille yes. dreidels. Yes, there's right. four letters. It stands for the line Yeskadol Haya Shem. A great miracle happened there. Except if you're in Israel. They changed the last word from Shem to Po. Which means here. here. Oh, great miracle cool. happened here. And by the way, I ordered, and then I had to give it away to somebody. Uh, you can get a Braille dreidel. Yeah, I have one now. Yeah, yeah. I had one and then <laughs> gave it away to a student that was really wanting it that was blind. So right. I have to order another one. All right, next up is Marissa. Hi, Marissa. Hi. Um, I read, I, I was, um, I read that, um, 
Hanukkah and as well as uh, Shabbat uh, usually start w- with the with the sun going with the sun going down. Um, yes. And I was wondering, uh, what is the meaning of of that? Okay, so when did Jewish days start? Well, when does the secular day start? Morning, it, daybreak. It starts like in the in the at, no at midnight. Secular day. 12. Oh, twelve. Midnight. Oh, in the morning. I'm sorry. No, twelve midnight. Yes, right. the yep. start of the new day in the secular yep. world. Yep. But what right. about Judaism? Judaism's day starts at sundown. Again, we ask the question, why? In Genesis, right at the beginning, it says, um, It was evening and morning the first day. It was evening and morning the second day. It was evening and morning the third day, etc., etc. What comes first? Evening. 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 So the Jewish day starts at sundown. So again, Hanukkah is eight days. So there's obviously going to be at least one day that Hanukkah and Shabbat are going to coincide. But we have a problem. We have to light Hanukkah candles and we have to light Shabbat candles. What gets lit first? Hanukkah candles. Hanukkah candles must get lit first. Because once you light the Shabbat candles, you're not supposed to light any candles further on. That's right. So you light your Hanukkah candles first, and then you light the Shabbat candles. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you. Next raised hand, there is. Currently, there are no raised hands. All right. So I'll tell you what I'll do. Instead of putting on the music, I'm going to do it a cappello. How about okay. we do a dreidel song? I got some some uh, fun uh, verses of this. I just so want to know if anybody can spin a dreidel. I have been trying to learn how to do it, and I can't do it correctly. So I need some lessons. My son was trying to help me. Yeah, all <laughs> you do is, is hold the little top that sticks up and yep. twist it with your fingers. Yeah, easy for you to say. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so here's a dreidel song, the English one. I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, then dreidel I shall play. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of clay, and when it's dry and ready, then dreidel I shall play. There's some more songs, but I have some other verses that I think you'll find more interesting. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of soap. I spun it in the bathtub. It will not melt, I hope. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of soap. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. It will not melt, I hope. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of straw. It went 80 miles an hour. And broke the speeding law. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> I made it out of straw. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. It broke the speeding law. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of bread. I did not spin my dreidel. I ate it up instead. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of dre- bread. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I ate it up instead. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of sand. And when I tried to spin it, it crumbled in my hand. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of sand. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. It crumbled in my hand. That was my favorite one. I had a little dreidel. I made it out of jelly. And when I tried to spin it, it shook its little belly. Love okay. it, love it. <laughs> Lenny, there was um, one. I had, a, I had a little dreidel. I made it out of air. And when I tried to spin it, 
It wasn't even there. <laughs> Good stuff, Mike. Good stuff. And we do have a raised hand when All you're right. ready. Let's go. Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Good to have you here. Okay. Um, we did it when I was in high school, but I don't remember the name of it. Uh, we did a dance in um, um, our... Um, well, we, it was part of our Christmas program, but we did a, a dance to the um, tune to the week of Hanukkah. And I'm trying to remember the dance. I know that uh, there were like two um, lines of people, um, and we went around the auditorium in a circle. Yes, a bunch of blind folks, but we had some deaf girls with us too, so they could see as well. You know, they could see even even though we could, and we um, it was kind of like hop. And then you cross the opposite foot over um, in front of the foot you hopped with. And then you hopped again. Let's say you hopped on your right foot. You yep. crossed your left foot over to your right. And then um, and then you hopped again. And I don't remember. The, and you went around. Now, if you were in the other row, if you were in the other it, row, it, then it, you it, hopped Just let me, let me clarify it for you. That is called the hora. Right. The hora. Hora. The Hora. That's a famous dance. Not to and, be confused with the Torah. Yeah, Hora. Not, oh, okay. not the Torah. No, Hora. No. H-O-R-A is exactly. a famous circle Hora. dance or line dance uh-huh. that I right. think when you're Jewish, you're born knowing how to do it. So it's... <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and it mentions but, it in the song, Oh Hanukkah, Oh Hanukkah. Yeah. Right. Well, um, the, the choir was singing, Tis the week of Hanukkah. And unfortunately, I don't remember the rest of it, but I do... I remember it started out like Tis the Week of Hanukkah. Don't know that one. Cool. Uh, and just so to let you know, Lynn, we I forgot to let you know sooner. We have about five minutes until the top of the right. hour. I get it. I, I know. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. And I'll, uh, Anybody and else I'll have a hand raised? Okay. Yes, Anybody? we have Regina. Hey, Regina. Hey, good morning. I just wanted to thank the rabbi. I have to leave for a meeting at one, but thank you so much for the history, for the for the richness of the dialogue, and for the interactiveness. I love that. And um, it's just You're a welcome. great way to learn. We always appreciate you being here, Regina. Okay. Take care, everyone. All right. Anybody else uh, wanting to say anything? Perla. Perla, I'm so glad to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. Good. Good morning. Hi, yes, I was able to. Hey, and I really appreciate uh, a lot of the information you gave us. Um, it's going to be interesting when I tell my husband uh, <laughs> to light the candles the way you said. So that will be fun tonight. Good. You can teach him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You learn a lot on this call. That's, Thanks. that's the way it is. Yep. Thanks. Anybody else? I'm waiting for those hands to go up, but currently there are none. We really appreciate everybody here, whether you're Jewish or not. We really appreciate all the learning that happens on the Jewish hour. We love it. Joni. Hey, Joni. Go ahead, honey. I just want to thank you, Lynn, for having this today. It was wonderful. Of course, I think that Rabbi Lenny, everything he does is just fantastic. Oh, I yeah. always learn so much from you, Rabbi, and I appreciate your being with us, and thank oh, you. 
Thank you. That's what rabbis are for, yes? Rabbi <laughs> means Jewish teacher. Yeah. Yep. Yep. One of the things I'd like you to explain sometime, Rabbi Lenny, is w how and why it became, instead of priests in the biblical days, um, to rabbis now. That would be very interesting, I think. Uh, I can certainly do that. There yep. is that yep. I know that story. I'm sure you do. <laughs> 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 anyway, all right. So, um, if we if uh, we had upwards of twenty eight people here today, so we had quite a few people, and um, I'm glad this uh, call generates a lot of uh, interest. And excitement. I see that we have somebody who's unmuted. Tim, were all you right. meaning to ask a question? Okay, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, this uh, is uh, Tim Hill from uh, Third World State of West Virginia. And, we uh, can barely hear you. If you could get closer, that would be oh, wonderful. Oh, I forgot to, there we forgot to lower my, my <laughs> there you go. microphone. Yeah, this is Tim Hill. I'm from the third world state of West Virginia. I'm a, I'm a Christian, but how do they determine when Hanukkah is? Oh, that's a long discussion. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a calendar thing. Jewish people go by a lunar calendar. And it's within a particular date of the month of the lunar calendar. But that's, uh, I think, needs to be a discussion for another day. I, There's I totally no way agree. for me to do that justice in two minutes. I, I agree. It's the 25th of Kislev, and it, it happens uh, every day in a different, uh, every year on a different day, depending on the lunar calendar. So, yep. Yep. All right. Do we have any other, um, anybody else in the last minute or so? I'm checking. We do not. All right. Well, first of all, I appreciate I appreciate everybody being here. Please join us uh, again next week at the usual. Oh, time. we just got oh, Valerie. Oh, 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 hey, Valerie. <laughs> well, he didn't answer the question about the priest that somebody asked. Oh no, no he's, not gonna, he's not. He's not going to answer it right now. But I think he will answer. Oh, it okay. Eventually. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Right. I have yeah. no questions. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh so, what about the Hellenism on Hanukkah? Um, are Jews still opposed to Hellenism? It's it's not so much Hellenism that they're opposed to. It, again, we have lots of Jewish people that work well within you know the secular world and work and trade within secular worlds and still right. You can get right wing or Orthodox Jews who oh, will yeah. kind of uh, remove themselves, but Jewish people for the most part interact quite well. Thank you. With the secular world, uh, just as, as the Hellenizers did back then. You can still be fact, Jewish. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I just learned that our new Olympia mayor is black and Jewish. So, yeah, of Olympia, Washington. So, but yeah. When you read this, the story of Hanukkah and one Maccabees, it sounds like they were against Hellenism. The, uh, the, uh, is that part of the Hanukkah story or not? I, I mean, the Maccabees were, and some of the Orthodox were against the Hellenism creeping in, and that's the reason why they fought Antiochus or whatever. Yes. Of course, it's interesting, folks. Uh, the book of the Maccabees is in the Christian canon, but not in the Jewish canon. Oh. Yeah, I, I know that, and I've wondered why. Well, you know why, because the Jews didn't really like the Maccabees all that much. That's right. <laughs> oh, they really? Oh, yeah. How come? Well, we, we talked we, about that because they, were, they, they believed in fusing church and state. Oh, yeah. In other words, Judaism had to be with the state, and if it's oh, right, they separate, separate the two. Separate two. 
So the Jew, the, the, I thought the, the Maccabees were the heroes. I'm a little surprised. That's why I didn't understand. I well, they are of the, yeah. they are of the fables, but not of real but history. Of, yeah. We do oh, have another darn. raised hand. Okay, go um, ahead. Well, and that is DJ. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know. Can you explain the um, the diaspora? Yes, that I can do quickly. Thank you. Good. Uh, Diaspora simply means not Israel. So you either live in Israel or you live in the diaspora. Diaspora simply means outside of Israel. So the United States is in the diaspora. Europe is in the diaspora. Uh, uh, Africa is in the diaspora. Japan's in the diaspora. It just simply means not Israel. Good question, though. Uh, because you hear it all the time, and it's not explained as well as it could be, I think. Yeah. Anybody else? There are currently no hands. All right, everybody. Well, we really appreciate Jews, non-Jews, whoever you are, whatever you believe, and we really appreciate Herbie and, and Chanel. They have been such supporters of our Jewish Arab group, and this is Lynn Corral, and we're going to uh, sign off, and we appreciate everybody. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Thank you, everybody.